0: Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Brother Kevin had to sing, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And I, I remember that's one of my dad's favorite songs, and so I appreciate that. But also remember the story of the man that uh, was upset. The pastor, he was upset. They had, he had just, for about three or four years, just couldn't go anywhere with the church. It was, people were talking, gossiping, running everything down. So finally he decided, I'm going to, Resigned and so, before the church service started, he said, Folks, I just feel like I can't go any further. So, I want you to know tonight will be my last night as your pastor. The song leader got up and sang, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Okay, so uh, that can be really rough. All right, Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5 is our text for tonight as we preach a sermon I've titled Charge. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, Shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears? And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof of thy ministry. Now shall we pray? Now Father, I pray as we look into your word tonight. I believe that it's exactly what you wanted me to preach, so help me to rightly divide it and not mislead anyone in any way, Lord. I pray thy Holy Ghost would just take over and you would edify the people, but especially, Lord, I pray you would glorify your name. And we'd ask this in that name above every name, Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Life is filled with looking back and then also looking forward. I think of Uh, Stephen in Acts chapter 7 as he preached there to those Jews that were gathered there and they would end up stoning him. But he actually gave them an overview of Israel history of how they would do things. There would be failure and then defeat. Failure and defeat. And that was pretty well their history. And he went through it and then at the end he says, and you're doing the same things basically to them. And he was calling them to repentance, and of course they get upset and they, they end up stoning him while he's praying for their souls. Uh, the same thing, uh, not the same thing as what Stephen did, but the same idea of looking back and looking ahead, we try to do that here in the church as well as in the ministry for an example of OCA. OCA, the leaders at the end of the year say, what work that was really good and was helpful and they They want to see not only to continue that, but how to even make it better. And then we look at things that didn't work. Well, how can we straighten that out, or do we need to keep it? And so that's the idea of doing it all. But I want you to understand that no matter what the improvement seems to be, it will never be outside of Bible doctrine, okay? It is to stay within the Word of God, within the bounds of the Word of God. And yet we know that there are things that can always make improvement, just like we know in our Christian lives we can make improvement, uh, but we don't do it outside the Word of God. Uh, sometimes improvement brings problems. For an example, in the Christian school, uh, you make changes and you do things that, that's ah, going to be a little bit harder. Uh, that and, and, and just say you're a teacher that's taught for about 20 years at, at the school, and all of a sudden, everything's changing. Not doctrine, not what's right, but just the fact that we're strengthening it. And man, they got to they prepare like they did when they were first year teachers, but it's 20 years later. And yet God uses that. And, and some get on it when they see how God is using them. Boy, it is a great thing. Now at first when you're starting out, you say, oh man, I'm not sure I want to do this. But if you stick with it and you stick with it, why do you stick with it if you're not sure? Because God called you. See, God called you. God called you. I, I'll be honest with you. I've had times, I've said, Lord, I know you gave me this message, but I'm not sure I would really want to preach it tonight, you know. And, and yet, go on, you go on, and you do it, and, and he blesses it when you do it his way. Now, it's not the time to look to the world and how the world does it. We're not going to do that in any part of this ministry, whether it's radio, school, church, of all the areas that we have. Uh, it's not going to be to look to the world to see how the world does it. We're not going to to what feels good to the flesh. Rather, it's a time to see what God says. And see what we can do to stand stronger for him. The mission that God has given us according to his word. And according to the leading of the Holy Ghost. And so we want to delve deeper into God's word. And delve more deeply into the things of God. That we might be better servants of the Lord. Here at Central Baptist Church. The fiscal year ends August the 31st. That's why our administrative meeting is always in September. September. And you say, well, I thought the year ended on December 31st. Well, I thought so too. But even the Jews have a different calendar. So, everybody has different calendars the Chinese New Year and all this other New Year. So, look, our New Year begins September 1st as far as the fiscal things. Now, that doesn't mean beans as far as I'm concerned. What really means things is are we still going by the Word of God? And are we staying true to it? That's what's true. But Yet, when you look at those things, you say, "All right, we're coming to the end of a fiscal year. What about next year? Well, we want to be stronger spiritually at Central Baptist Church. We want to be stronger in souls getting saved. We want to be stronger in the people of God being built up in the faith and, and taught in the serving of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We want to be much stronger in that area. Uh, we also want to be stronger numerically. Not because it'll bring in more offerings. Or not because uh, it's, it's good to say we have this, this many people. We're growing in numbers. No. We want to be stronger numerically because we're reaching souls. Okay. And understand, anytime somebody gets saved and comes in, they're a babe in Christ. They're not there. So God gives us people here, people here now. You're faithful. You're growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ he gives you that one-on-one ability to work with them to befriend people and and to make them the one that you you take up. And God gives different people different ones that they just bring them in and they click and they're able to help them. And I say click not in a bad way, okay? And uh so uh that goes on. And then we want to grow uh in our uh financially in being able to reach around the world in missions as well as here at home, at home and abroad. And and understand, uh, that is our prayer. It's not about the physical things. It's about the physical things that we do have to be used spiritually. And so one of the things we prayed, if you'll remember back in the uh, uh, December, when we were praying for the upcoming year, one of the things that our faith promise would increase, God answered that prayer. Okay. And faith promise, it doesn't offend us. I mean, we don't build buildings with faith promise. We don't do things with faith promise of that nature. It's all 100% for missions. And so the increase is the idea is that, hey, souls are going to be reached. People are going to get saved. Work is going to be established for the Christ here at home and around the world. And that's the idea about it. We're building on the foundation of Jesus Christ, which is another thing is that we pray for to grow stronger in fellowship. Fellowship is partnership. We're partnering, partnering together as first Corinthians chapter three, verses nine through 11 says that we are labors together with God. Okay. So, don't try to be the lone ranger that says, well, I don't like the way they do it. I don't like the way this does it. I don't like this. I don't like it. No, you, you get with the church that sticks by the word and operates by the word. Don't come in and just say, well, I know better things. I went to such and such school, and that, that used to work, but it doesn't work anymore because we know better. No, you don't. No, you don't. That excuse has been used throughout history, and all those things end up failing that know better than the Word of God. So stick with the Word of God. Now, think first of the prospect here then of the coming fiscal year. There are things to understand and then understand those things scripturally as well as spiritually and then proceed. For an example, Christ could come back this year. I mean, that would be great. If Jesus Christ came back this year, that would be Wonderful. Uh, We're told that in such a time as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. If it doesn't come quickly, we know this iniquity will abound. The hearts of many will grow cold, Matthew chapter 24, verse 42 tells us. We know. That uh, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So we know that if the Lord uh, does not come back this year, those things are going to grow worse around the world. Those are just things that go on. Uh, I was thinking the other day of the facts of the 1950s and 60s. Now, a lot of times you say the 60s and people think of Woodstock there at the end of the 60s. And they associate everything in the 50s and 60s. Oh, the reason we are this way is the people of the 50s and 60s. No, the reason the way you are today is because you're not obeying the Lord because the same word that was in the 50s and 60s is still here in His Word. Don't blame the 50s and 60s. Blame yourself if you're not standing as you ought to stand. Okay, but back in the 50s and 60s, There was no cussing on TV. Uh, There was no miniskirts on entertainment, let alone in churches and schools. That wasn't there. Uh, Most churches, if not all churches, their music did not sound like a nightclub. Um, We found out that... uh, there were things that, uh, that went on that we were just, that were just not part of our culture that go on today. Uh, there was no internet. Did they have pornography? Yes, they had pornography. It was only in magazines and by law it had to be wrapped in paper so you could not even see any part of that magazine when they mailed them out. And that was the law of the day. And, and so we had these things with standards. I sometimes will tell the kids in OCA that the standards that I had in public high school growing up, in many ways in dress, were stronger than the standards that we have today, in, even in Christian school. And so uh, just to understand that, that's the way it was back in that day. Uh, if we turned on TV, you didn't have to worry about what your children are going to see. Maybe for philosophy. Remember, leave it to beaver? You know, everybody likes leave it to beaver, okay? But the truth of the matter is, is leave it to beaver, put down what God said to chasing your child, to use that rod to chasten them. And they always made the bad guy look like Eddie Haskell, who never got spanked, okay? And, and so that's what way it is, and of course, We know that although that had a great influence, Dr. Spock and all this other stuff, it was not, it was not right. It was not right. However, if you turn on the TV today and you hear a cuss word, you say, as soon as I hear a cuss word, I'm going to turn it off. You couldn't even watch the news. Now think of that. You could not even watch the news today. Even what they would call conservative news. You cannot watch even conservative news because of the filthy mouths. That's the way that this society has grown and fallen in that spiral downward in its depravity. Jack Parr. Now, a lot of guys, who in the world was Jack Parr? Uh... They'd probably even say that about Johnny Carson, but Jack Parr preceded Johnny Carson. It was The Tonight Show. Jack Parr told a joke on The Tonight Show, and he was censored by the TV censors for that joke. Now, what I can tell you is that I have since heard the same joke told in churches and other places And we don't even think anything of it. It just doesn't seem like it's wrong or dirty. And yet, back then, it was below the standard of morals and dignity as far as uh, TV censors were concerned. As a matter of fact, I went and told uh, one that had just told that story. And I says, do you know that Jack Parr, of course, he had to explain Jack Parr. But do you know who Jack Parr is? And, And he was censored on TV for telling the story that you just told. And they were shocked. How would they censor them for that? There was a standard. There was a standard. And and so we live in a day when most Christians are growing cold towards the doctrine of the holiness of God. Instead, we're seeking to find things that will say, I have the liberty to drink. I have the liberty to do recreational drugs. Let alone what uh, Brother Randy was talking about. And all they want to go on to all this liberty they have and apply it to God and blame God. God is not behind that. God is not behind that. And liberty to the flesh will always call holiness legalistic. In Jude 4, though, we're told it would be that way in the last days. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old, uh, ordained to this condemnation ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. Oh, it's all right. Anything goes. Don't be legalistic. And denying the only Lord God in our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because God and Jesus Christ, that's holiness. That's holiness. We can go on and say much more, but I think that this is enough just to think upon. This message is for us as a local church. We have many ministries here. We've got radio. We have OCA. OCA is not a separate ministry. It is a ministry of Central Baptist Church. Radio is a ministry of Central Baptist Church. Bus is a ministry of Central Baptist Church. Everything here that you hear of, whether it's our Bible studies or all the other ones that are involved, they're ministries of Central Baptist Church. Why? Because Jesus Christ founded the local church, and ministries that we do are to be through the local church. That's God's plan. That is God's plan. Now, as this pastor follows and preaches the word as it is to men as they are, I simply need your prayers and your love to help in doing the work of the Lord, who is the founder and the builder of the local church. In our text, we see the purpose statement. Uh, you first see there's a charge there, and it's to the one that's holding the office of pastor. Now, if, if I was in a Presbyterian church, if I was in a Calvinistic church, I'd, everybody would already turn me off for saying that because they don't look at pastors and officer. And why? Because they give three different offices. They've got bishop. They've got, they've got uh, pastor. They, uh, they have all these different offices that they're going to talk about. But really, uh, bishop, pastor, uh, these are looking at the same thing uh, there as well, elder. The pastor is the elder. It doesn't speak of age. That's why I'm just a kid. Um. Uh, It talks about the dignity of the office, its maturity in biblical knowledge. That's one requirement of a pastor. Can't be a novice. Secondly, he has to be an overseer. That's what a bishop is. He is an overseer. God holds him accountable. As a pastor, you might say it is twofold in that he is feeding the flock of God, the word of God. Well, at the same time, not a novice who flees when the roaring lion brings in the philosophies of the religious but false doctrine men of the world. And therefore, he won't warn and seek to protect the flock. Now, notice what he says there in verse 1. I charge thee therefore uh, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and kingdom. Boy. What well, he's getting ready to tell the pastor, the bishop, the elder, however you want to refer to them. My, people say, what do you like to be called? Well, there's a whole lot of names that get called I don't like to be called, okay. Uh, I've always liked preacher. You say, why do you like preacher? Well, Solomon was the wisest guy in the Old Testament. and He was called preacher. Paul called himself a preacher, so it's not a bad name. I don't measure up to those guys, but... You know, it, it, it's a it's a name that pretty well describes some of the things that I'm supposed to do. But I'm not offended if you call me pastor, preacher, just don't call me reverent. Okay. Don't call me that. Uh, but what I'm saying, though, is, is that uh, this guy's given a charge. The duty is given. And the gravity of this charge is that it's going to be called before God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ at his appearing in judgment. Now, you've got to give an account. That's why a pastor cannot give in to the world philosophy and marketing to change the church to be like the world. It may make people feel good now, but that pastor is going to be miserable in eternity, even though he's saved, being saved so by fire. And loss of reward. And so that's why we read in James chapter 3 and verse 1. That reads, my brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. In our text he said, he's judging the quick and the dead at his appearing." The quick speaks of those Christians that are alive when the rapture takes place and we're immediately caught up together to be with Him In a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. The trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. But the dead are those people whose bodies are in the grave and their spirits are with the Lord. And they'll be caught up and their bodies made eternal and and, and their, their spirits reunited now with this glorified body. And that happens as the Bible says in a moment. But then, understand, yes, they're caught up. The quick and the dead are judged, their bodies are raised, but we need to understand. Hebrews 13, verse 7, verse 17, about obeying those that have the rule over you are they who have spoken to you the word of God. And verse 17, talking about they will give an account They'll do it either with joy or it'll be sad. And I've always wondered about that. It's scary to me. The greater condemnation, James 3, 1, and then that. If there's sin in your life, there's sin that's going on. We see the world, we see the enemy, we watch for it. And I don't warn of it. And you get caught up into it then I'm very accountable for that. And there's a greater loss of reward for me. On the other hand, if I've preached it, and you just look down upon it, oh, that crazy guy. It's bad on you. Not because I say so. This is what the Bible teaches us. It's what the Bible teaches us. Uh, I will give an account, be it to warn of sin, false doctrine, things of the charismatics, we had that. Then we have Catholics trying to unite everything. We have the Calvinists trying to infiltrate churches and doing it in a way that is underhanded and evil. And, and then also turning the God's grace into lasciviousness as we just walked, uh, uh, read. And look, I've got to give them an account. Did I preach it? When somebody was a member here. Look, we've had people leave here They've gone off to Calvinist churches, they've gone off to contemporary church, they've gone off to other churches. They went off because I preached. But I I have to preach what God gives me to preach. And then their reaction, okay. Mine is not how well I deliver the message, mine is to deliver the message, yours is to react on it. Now, notice also the context that precedes this in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, in chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady, high minded, the lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Now, that passage I just read is addressing the state of the local churches and Christians in the last days before the rapture. That's what it's addressing. They that no longer stand no longer have this biblical holy standards, that no longer having done all to stand, continue to stand. And so, these are the things that are going to be in the last days. And we can see that going on in the churches already. I'm not going to go into all these things, but look in verse 3 there that I just read of 2 Timothy chapter 3. Incontinent. Now, that doesn't mean a medical situation as we do today. The idea is without discipline, absence of rules, and order. Does that sound like contemporary and emerging to you? It does to me. Verse 5 shows they are religious, but denying the power thereof. A form of godliness, but denying the power. What does that mean? They deny, they don't allow the holiness of God in their church, in their lives, in their day-to-day living. Deny the power of a changed life. They don't want it, they won't even preach it, they don't want anybody to have it. The power of holiness. Second Corinthians 5 17, what does it say about our salvation? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. A new creation, we're not, going to, we're not created to continue to walk in the world. We're not created to try to find things to justify the flesh and the things of the flesh. You know, these things that people say they have liberty to do, it's rarely ever of the Spirit. In other words, I have the liberty to go witness. I have the liberty to be separated from the world. No, why? It's always of the flesh. I have the liberty today. To do that. If you notice in pastor notes today, people like to call these things legalistic. Well, the Old Testament said love, to love one another. So I guess that's legalistic. Jesus said, I have a new commandment to give you, love as I love you. That must be legalistic because uh, now we're under grace. Let me tell you something. From the day Adam fell to this present hour we've been under grace or this world will be destroyed. Men have assigned the word grace, the age of, of law and the age of grace. And the Bible talks about age, grace and law. But understand, in God's sight, he's a God of grace. And it's, the law was to show that we're sinners. That we can't say, it wasn't ever designed to save us. It was to show us that we're sinners. That was God's grace to show us that we need salvation. Okay. It wasn't a way to, nobody kept the law. And those that tried still didn't get saved by the law. Your good works won't save you. You've got to understand that. And so, uh, as we look back now in our text, we see the charge that was given. And that charge is to, and by the way, it's very emphatic in its scope, but the charge is to preach the word. That is to proclaim it publicly publicly. Clearly, for all to know, the idea behind it is do it boldly. And it tells us when to preach it even, in season, out of season, whether they like it or not. You preach it. You preach it, and you continue to preach it. Look, the Lord isn't worried about who it might offend when we preach like we did tonight, but it's from the Word of God. He, the Lord doesn't care who's offended by it. He wants their lives changed. So if the Lord is not concerned about who's offended by it. It only means that if you are offended by it. Then you're offended by the Lord because I'm preaching his word. Now the idea then here is to be ready whenever the Lord presents the opportunity to speak up. Don't be as those in this chapter verses 16 and 17. At my first answer no man stood with me. All men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Well, he, he mentioned by name, oh you're not supposed to mention anybody by name. Paul mentioned by name Alexander the coppersmith. Uh, in Romans it says to mark them which cause divisions contrary to the doctrine and avoid them. And if they're going to come in and try to bring in false doctrine. Uh, John Piper, many of you have heard that name. I, uh, it's on video so this is not an accusation, it's on video, he does it teaching his students, hey, you go to a Baptist church, because John Piper's supposed to be a Baptist, but he's also a Calvinist. You go to your students, you get called to a church, and they say, are you Calvinist, or do you believe that whosoever will may be saved? You just tell them, you just tell them, look, if you call me to be the pastor, I want us to be the most missionary-minded church in the state. I've actually had at least three pastors now that call me to tell me that's exactly what happened in the church. Not pastors, but I mean deacons have called me and asked and told me that happened in their churches. And they said that it came from the same source. And you see, what I'm saying is, is that if you've got to use deceit, that means you don't trust the holiness and the word of God. And so they start out in deceit. That's why they end up in deceit. Because deceit is of the devil. So again, in season, out of season. With the flow and against the flow. We are staying with the word of God. So be in God's word daily. Have something to proclaim each and every day. But do it when the world, even the religious world, is saying... You know, you don't really have to do this. The world today says, the religious world says, this is what you have to do to win them. But the Bible, when it says another way, that's the way you do it. Now, there is a way the world gives that draws crowds. But it avoids the gospel. It avoids the holiness. It avoids the call to repentance. And the pastor is told he is to preach the word. And in verse 2 there, he's not only to preach the word in season, out of season, he's told how to do it reprove. Reprove is the idea of to refute it and correct it. Uh, it might be doctrinal error, it might be philosophy or the co- culture. Into the church, that culture is a carnal worldview for the church, for saved people, he says, to rebuke it. Or to reprove it. The word rebuke does have an idea of what we normally think when somebody is rebuking. But actually, it's not just that. It's the idea of, okay, uh, instead of just... Uh, rebuking it in that matter it is to tell them what they need to do see God understands they have a free will so in this rebuke you're saying hey this is wrong but this is what you need to do that's the idea behind rebuke that's right in there it's part of it and we have a free will to accept it or reject it but understand there is a judgment seat for the Christians coming And, and so You stay in God's Word, and you support the pulpit that preaches the Word of God. You know, I get people that uh, email me on a regular basis that say, where did Jesus preach word for word? And every once in a while, I'll just get in the flesh, and I'll say, well, I wasn't there for all of his sermons. And and they they, they put down preaching word for word or, or verse by verse, and, and my question is always, well, do we have a better way? I mean, did God inspire the word like this, but now man has improved upon it, so we don't need to go by verse by verse and go the way God laid it out? Do we need to do something else? That is man saying, I'm superior. That's why I'll get emails that say, you need to read this book. You need to read that book. And I said, well, guess you need to read this book. So, yes, you do have a free will to accept or reject the truth. I'm just responsible to preach it as it is to men as they are, speaking the truth in love. Next, I am to exhort. It has the idea of to encourage and encourage strongly and urge all these things. That's my responsibility before God. And I must do it with long-suffering, knowing that many won't like it. Many will get upset. Many will fall away at times. Many will gossip. People will run it down. People undermine it. People will lie about it. That's all right. I'm not to quit. I'm to say with long-suffering, just keep on keeping on. Be it controversial or not, if it's God's word, I need to lay it out according to the word of God. I've told you all before, sometimes I preach and people say, well, he's just using the Bible to defend himself. I think they mean that in a negative way. I take it in a very positive way because if I'm preaching the word and it defends what I believe and what I'm doing and saying, that is a compliment. As a matter of fact, I wish I was as good at it as what they're saying. Okay? And they don't realize that. But then again, uh, sin never makes sense, does it? It just not, does not make sense. And so, uh, you do it in season, out of season. And that takes us to uh, long-suffering and doctrine. Doctrine is what God's Word teaches. You know, people think, well, this is doctrine, but that's just something written about no. Anything the Bible teaches is doctrine. Now, sometimes we think, oh, the doctrine of God, His sovereignty, His holiness. Yeah, those are doctrines. Those are doctrines. But when the Bible says Jesus was baptized, fulfilling all righteousness, that's just as much a, a doctrine of being baptized after your salvation. And Jesus didn't get saved, but he was fulfilling righteousness. It's just as much a doctrine for us to fulfill righteousness as we think of the doctrines of, of, of sovereignty and holiness. And by the way, sovereignty is God's right to do what he wants with that which is his. He's the creator. Everything's his. That's sovereignty. Now, I, I know that upsets some people out there that are theologians. Because they like $25 words and a 100-page book to say something about it. But I I just like the way God says it, and I think that's best. And I'll just uh, stick with Him. Now, we have a warning then in verses 3 and 4. Because when we stand, there's going to be reprisals for standing from the world. Ephesians 6:13 says this, "Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with the truth, that is with the word of God, and have it in your heart, have it in your mind, have it in your very being to live by it. And having on the breastplate of righteousness, righteousness was you know you don't have to come up with a $25 definition if the Bible gives us a definition God said in Deuteronomy 6 25 said it shall be your righteousness if you obey these commands righteousness is obeying the Lord well that's too simple when you get to the judgment seat of Christ you'll find out that wasn't simple so many miss it and they don't do God's will God's way in God's timing it's right It's right. And so, verses 3 and 4, he says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves uh, teachers having itching ears. The reason he says all these commands in verse 2 and makes it so emphatic is because of these last days when they do not endure sound doctrine. They don't even want sound doctrine. And it's just like Israel of old who said, we want to be like the other nations. Now churches are wanting to be like the other religions. Both ways, it just turns out to the world instead of God being in charge. And so, we want to feel good. Give me a feel-good message. Look, if you want to feel good, see if you can get some of those drugs Brother Andy's talking about. You you won't feel anything, but you'll, you know, if that's what you're after. If, If your life is about a feeling do that. But if your life is about the true love of God and faith and accomplishing His will, then don't go that way. All right? Now, so again, pastor does not compromise in these things. He's not supposed to. And it may have a cost. He may get voted out. There are pastors that have been voted out for standing true to the Word. Uh, for you, go to the church where they do preach the word. I mean, the apostles got kicked out of a lot of places. What did they do? They went somewhere else and started another church. Stick with the word. Stick with the word. Stick with the Lord. You'll hear me from time to time say Don't, don't, don't listen to the philosophy of the world in the church. Because the church will have you all of a sudden rock and roll, the lights, the smoke, and everything else going on. Don't do it. Don't do it. Isaiah 58, 1 through 4 is a good example of it. This is probably going to be legalistic, some because it's from the Old Testament. But God says, cry aloud. Did you realize this is something that may be a new revelation to some people? God changeth not. God changeth not. So he says here, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Don't speak like that. Let's Speak out about it. That's what he's saying. Like a trumpet and show my people. He said, "My people, show my people their transgression in the house of Jacob their sins." Why well, you shouldn't be so negative? What did you tell God about it? He's the one that said to preach that way. Okay, yet they seek me daily and they delight to know my ways. You see, they're religious. As a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God, they ask of me the ordinance of justice and they take delight in approaching to God. Wherefore, the, wherefore have ye fasted? Have we fasted, say they, and thou dost see us not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exact all your labors. Behold, you fast for strife and debate. Isn't it interesting people like debate? And about every place you see it in the Bible is referred to as a sinful thing. I just find that interesting. And to smite with the fist of wickedness, you should not fast as you do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. You know, people want to, oh, look at me. I'm so knowledgeable. No, look at Christ. If you want knowledge, look at Christ. In him is hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So look to Jesus Christ. But here you have a passage where they were told to preach it and they didn't. And look what happened to Israel. They didn't and that happened. So it is preaching... It's not, how well can I entertain them? I'm not going to appeal to their entertainment. Maybe it's intellectual, so it appeals to their pride. Sometimes it's technological. But as Satan, they may use Jesus' name, it might be mentioned. And use just enough scripture to deceive as Satan did. Tried and used scripture to deceive Eve. Attacking Jesus with scripture. The misuse of scripture. Notice verse 4 of text. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. You see, God didn't leave them. They left God. They turned away their ears from the truth. One pastor told me of another denomination that he was a part of that had good old-fashioned standards, preached our King James Bible, and you go on down the line, they were pretty well close to us in their doctrine and everything else, but he says, now having all these strong standards that were probably maybe even stronger than some of ours, he says, now we have, we're ordaining women to be pastors, we're doing all these other things, and he said the music, all of it has gone down. He says, I feel like a relic. I'm the last one, it seems like, that still preaches this way. And uh, the only thing I could do is encourage them to keep on keeping on. You see, they turn away from doctrine and standards. It is a move on purpose. And sometimes they'll blame their move on a preacher or another member of the church. And they're running from it when God hasn't told them to run. Instead, he's told them to withstand and stand. And my friend, they turn to itching ears to make me feel good about whatever it is. And that's wrong. Let's close out with verse 5 here. But watch thou in all things. Again. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. That four, fourfold instruction, watch. Guard. That's what a, a, a night guard does. He looks to see if the enemy is coming in. False doctrine. Doesn't seek to tear down. Guard. Watch. Watch. Watch it for your family. Watch it for uh, the things that come about. Watch. Secondly, he said endure afflictions. You get hurt. People say some things. They make false accusations. They tell lies. Look, if you're going to be a pastor, you're going to get that every year of your ministry, okay? That's all right. But the Lord says don't quit. Don't quit. You know, if people attack me, I need to get on my knees and thank God because the Bible says they've just built my reward in heaven. Great is your reward in heaven. So that's great, you know. I don't want to have them built up that way, but they do help to build it up that way. But he's saying, endure, don't quit. Third thing was there, the work of an evangelist. What does an evangelist do? He goes out and he witnesses and tries to bring souls to Jesus Christ. That's the work of an evangelist. And fourth is full proof. Carry it through to the end. other words, the proof of what you believe is the results. Now I'm not talking about numbers. You say, "Oh yes, I believe in witnessing, but you're never at visitation, you never witness to the loss. Okay, that is not it. That is not it. That is not it. And this is a charge. And for the Christian, what it simply means is this. Boy, why didn't I just say this and we could have left at the beginning. You have to have faith to believe what the Bible's saying and act upon it. That's what it comes down to. The days are evil. They're getting worse. But you're going to give an account of yourself to God. He's told us about the local church. He's told us about these things. We've got to decide, am I going to believe God? Or am I going to believe the philosophies of men? For me, I've got to have the attitude, even if all men forsake and hate me and do all things. Now, that's not happening. But even if they do, I'm going to stay on God's side and know that I'm on the majority. Have faith to be a witness. Have faith to watch. Have faith to take the stand that you ought to take a stand. Have faith to endure. You just keep on keeping on. You fall down, a righteous man falling down seven times gets up again. Look, people have some terrible things in their past. A lot of us in here have terrible things in our past. But why are you here tonight? Because you believe God when he said he forgave you. And you got up and you're doing what God said you could do. Well, keep on keeping on. Okay, just keep on keeping on. Let's bury it.